So as you know, we've been talking about, it seemed good to end the year talking about some fundamentals, and I want to talk to you tonight um, about prayer, and um, it's something I think a lot of Christians struggle with, the proper concept of what prayer is, and uh, so I just want to share some things with you about it. I'll start this way. Um, we'll be uh, in the States in a couple of weeks, and one of my favorite things to do in the States is uh, some kindly person will loan us their car, and uh, praise God, he, we, he's always given us a free car. I checked the rates the other day, it's like a thousand bucks for a car for three weeks. It's like crazy, right? So the Lord always gives us a free one, and uh, it's, you know, a car's nicer than I'll ever buy, and it's, it's kind of cool. And one of my favorite things to do is, you know, you got a great Christian car, and there's a lot of Christian radio stations, and I just drive around and I listen to the music, and I love doing that. I presume I could do it here, probably right, but I could do it here. Yeah, well, you know, I don't understand any of that, so... Um, but I love it. I love to listen to the music. And there's one station, some of you Americans may know of it, uh, K-Love. I don't know if you know the, the station K-Love. I, I, I like to listen to, I love the music, and um, so I just drive around and sing. Sometimes I don't have any particular place to go. I just drive around and listen to the music. Now, I, I want you to understand, those of you who love K-Love, I'm not down on K-Love, okay? I'm not down on them. All I'm saying is, when I listen to Caleb, I always hear these, well, this is their byline. They're positive and encouraging. So that sounds good, right? Positive and encouraging. Well, I like that. But I've noticed that all the people call in, um, you know, it's the same kind of stream of thought. And um, it's positive and encouraging. And you know what? Sometimes... Life is hard, right? Sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes Christianity's hard. Sometimes, you know, it's not all positive. And it's not all encouraging, at least in the circumstantial realm. Um, so the testimonies, pretty much, I got this temporal blessing from God. I got that temporal blessing from God. I got this temporal blessing from God. And praise the Lord. He's a God of temporal blessing. Amen? He is. Praise God. Your next heartbeat is a temporal blessing from God. Your next brain wave is a gift from God. Praise the Lord. He's full of temporal blessings. I, I, I want you to understand, I'm not, I'm not bemoaning the fact that God is a gracious God, but I've often thought if all I knew about Christianity is what I heard on Caleb, then I would think God was my personal Santa Claus. I would think God was my rabbit's foot. I would think that, oh, if I come to Jesus, He'll solve all my problems immediately. Um, this is the thought I get when I listen to this particular station that you know... God's just sitting in heaven waiting for Jim Albright to ask for something so he can give it to me. Um, and I fear this is a very superficial view of what prayer is. Um, you know, I want to hear, I really do. I want to hear somebody call in and say, you know, we've been praying about the cancer. God has not healed us. But you know what? 
It doesn't matter in the long run because we love Him and we trust Him and it doesn't matter what He does in our life. We know Him and we'll be with Him forever. I want to hear somebody call in and say that. You don't hear that. You don't ever hear that. You hear about the healing. Praise God for the healing. Praise God for the healing. But what about when God doesn't heal? God doesn't always heal, beloved. If you know your Bible and you know church history and you've been a Christian very long at all, God does not always choose to heal. You know this, right? And I want to hear the guy call in and say, you know what, the cancer's still here, but I love God. Whatever he does is okay with me. I want to hear that guy. I want to hear that guy call in. Yeah, I want to hear the guy call in and say, you know, man, I don't have two pennies to rub together, but God is so faithful. He's so good. He is enough in our circumstance. He is enough for me. He is enough for us. I want to hear that guy. Yeah, I want that guy to call in. I bet these guys call in. It's just like they don't seem to make the cut because they're not positive and encouraging enough, I guess. They don't make the cut. Or you know, maybe a wife would call in and say, I got converted, man, and my unbelieving husband left me. He didn't like all the changes. And I got to tell you how hard it's been but Jesus Christ is my bridegroom. Amen? He's enough for me. He's my companion. You know, I just, I want to hear these things, these deep and powerful and meaningful things, these real life things. I'm not saying that the temporal blessings of God are not real. Of course they are. And I, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying, but, you know, I want to hear people that are walking through hard stuff and just delighting in God. That's what I want to hear. Because that's the signature of a, of a mature believer, right? They're walking through something hard, but they still want to call in and praise God about it. They haven't seen Him move yet, and He may not move. It's okay if He doesn't move. It's okay if He doesn't move. It's okay with me. I just want to hear, I just want to hear those guys call in. And I want you to understand... Every true believer understands and treasures the fact that God's temporal blessings are by comparison inconsequential to those that He has for us forever. The, internal, the eternal inheritance that God has for His people. The pre, he, the, His presence in our life, the salvation He's purchased for us, and the infinite and eternal inheritance. Any temporal blessing God gives you is inconsequential compared to those. You know, I, I want to hear the guy call in and maybe talk about that. So, yeah. The guy says, it couldn't get any worse. You know, I'd like to hear the guy say, it, couldn't, it can't get any worse. But it's okay. <laughs> I belong to Christ. I'm on my way home. You know, I was once a, once a God-hating, a God-hating enemy, and now I am an adopted son. I, I would just love to hear some of these kinds of comments. So what's this got to do with prayer? Well, you guys, those of you who've been around very long, you, you, know, you know how I feel about these kinds of things. And there's just too much focus on temporal blessing in the modern church. And I think that this K-love, positive, encouraging thing, I think that it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a symptom of this 
this focus in much of the modern church that we just want to ask God for the next, the next blessing. Yeah, I just, want, I just want the next blessing, right? And so that's why I wanted to start with that as we begin to talk about, about prayer. Some years ago, I read a book. I think some of you have read it, The, the Prayer of Jabez. How many of you have read The Prayer of Jabez? Anybody? A couple of you. Um, came out in year 2000. A guy named Bruce Wilkinson wrote it, and it sold 10 million copies. Now, how does a book about prayer sell 10 million copies? How do you think that happens? You know how it happens. This is a formula to get everything you want from God. All you have to do is pray this formula and you will get everything you want from God. That's how you sell 10 million copies about a book about prayer. Um, He says in the preface, again, the prayer of Jabez. You guys know the prayer probably. 1 Chronicles 4, verse 10. But he says about this prayer, it contains the key to a life of extraordinary favor with God. Well, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want a life of extraordinary favor with God? Who doesn't want that? We all want that, right? And guess what? He's found the magic formula. It's in, yeah, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. I, I, I want to say he says some good stuff about prayer. He really does. He says some good stuff. But he says some awful stuff too. <laughs> but, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend the book, by and large. But um, he says some very simplistic and inadequate and... It's just a trivial view of what prayer is, what biblical prayer is to God. God is not Santa Claus, right? He is not our Santa Claus. So, if you follow the prayer of Jabez, you'll be calling into Caleb a lot, and you'll be tapping into that extraordinary temporal favor of God. Here's a couple of his comments. Um, it's a formula to release God's miracles in your life. Okay? First of all, I want to say to you, I don't think there's a verse that supports any of the things he says here. I'm only, I'm only going to give you four quotes. It releases God's miracle in your life. I don't remember reading that anywhere in the Bible. It, 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 this formula, it will re- help you to receive God's fullest blessing. This formula, here's my favorite. This is my favorite. The formula will help you access God's unclaimed blessings that are just waiting for you. I hate this one. Okay, He gives an example in the book. Some woman comes to heaven and St. Peter takes her to some warehouse. And there's this big giant warehouse full of things. And she says, what is this? And he, he says, those are all the blessings you never asked for. Okay, I'm sorry. You know, Wilkinson says, well, I'm not really right. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not... I'm not I'm not preaching health, wealth, and prosperity through prayer here. I'm not doing it. But if you actually read the book, you realize that's exactly what he's doing. And uh, you can tell by, by his illustrations. You can tell by some of the illustrations. He says, this formula will rectify your want of God's plenty. It's, he never says it, but it's like 
man, if you get this prayer right, it's like a magic incantation. Okay? It's, a, it's, a, it's like an incantation. He doesn't ever use the word, but that's the sense of it as you read the book. It's an incantation to unlock the miracles and blessings of God. And God is just ready to tip His wrist and pour those blessings out if you'll just pray the incantation. If you'll just pray the magic prayer. God, it, the, the implication is that you're impeding God's blessing because you're not asking for what God wants to give you. That's part of the implication. You know, and I was just thinking as you read the book, um, if this prayer was so important, I just think Jesus would have brought it up. I just do. I think if this prayer was so key, you know, I just think the Lord Jesus would have brought it up. I just think He would. Enough about the book. Let me interject. If your prayer is about prayer, then you don't know anything about prayer. If your prayer is prayer-centered, and what I'm saying is you're so focused on the prayer, I'm saying to you, you don't know anything about biblical prayer. Biblical prayer is not a formula. Biblical prayer is like everything else with respect to Christianity. It is about the relationship. And prayer is a relationship. It's an intimacy with God. It's a conversation with God. And don't... Okay, this is my opinion. Okay, You want to disagree with me? All right. But I say don't insult God with an incantation or rote prayer. Don't insult God this way. Actually, we'll we'll talk about it in a minute. (laughs) I think it's in the Scripture. God says, don't do this. Man, He just wants the real relationship. This is what He's always after in true Christianity. Prayer is not about prayer. Prayer is about God. If you don't know that prayer is about God, you've not understood what prayer is about. You think, well, this is some religious obligation I have. I'll go do it. Check my box. I'm good to go. Okay, if this is your thought process, you, you haven't learned what prayer is yet. God means to spend time with you in prayer. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not a formula, beloved. It's just not what it is. A God-centered prayer is a God-pleasing prayer. That's what prayer is. And you know, if you think about it, I was an enemy of God and now I'm a co-heir. You're a co-heir. You're a co-heir with Jesus Christ. You think God wants you to memorize a prayer and chant it back to Him? You think He has any interest in that at all? That's not what He's interested in. You guys have heard it said. You, may, you can disagree with me, and you, with, with me if you want. You often heard it said. Prayer changes things. I don't like this saying. God changes things. Prayer changes me. This is what prayer is. 
God is changing me in the conversation. And if you listen, which is 50% of prayer or more, if you listen, He will change you. He will change the way you're praying. He will ultimately, possibly, change your requests. <laughs> if you listen, right? He is kind and gracious and patient to do this for us. Listen, we are not bending God's will to ours. He's bending our will to His. This is biblical prayer. I'm not bending God's will. He's bending my will. He's teaching me His will in prayer. That's what, if I'm listening, if I'm not just chanting, and I'm not just asking, give me, give me, give me, if I listen to God, He changes us, beloved. He means to change us in prayer. So let's look at the prayer of Jabez just for a minute, not the book, the biblical text. I'm in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. Now Jabez called on God, the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my borders, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, that it may not pain me. And God granted him what he requested. Bruce Wilkinson is right about one thing. He says, Jabez is not known for what he did. He's known for what he prayed. And that's, that's true. That's, there's no question about that. We don't know anything about this guy. There was obviously a city named after him, we find in a different passage. So he must have been an esteemed, respected man of some kind. I love what one, one scholar notes about the prayer of Jabez. He, it ha, he says, Jabez, Jabez's life is in the context of taking the promised land. Okay? This is when the man lived. Okay? This is the context of his life. I think this is important. I think this is an important note that we need to take a look at. Jabez, this is my opinion, I'm not dogmatic. Jabez appears. He appears to be asking God to give Israel what God has already promised to give Israel. Okay? And really, this is how you should be praying too. <laughs> Don't you just want what God has for you? Don't you just want what God has for you? What true Christian wants anything other than what God has for them? Right? What Thinking Christian would want anything but the perfect will of God. In fact, we're going to see Jesus pray. You know, when He tells us how to pray, Matthew chapter 6, He says, pray the will of God. And then we see Jesus do it in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prays the will of God. You're going to, you're going to watch Jesus change His prayer in prayer. You're going to watch Paul change His prayer. And I'm holding up two people to you. One is God incarnate. The other is the, the, probably the most distinguished apostle we're aware of. These two men came to God with a request. God changed their hearts and they gave their will to whatever God says. You know, it's just a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I hope we learn from this. I hope we'll stop just this low view of, to me, it's a little bit pathetic, okay? That we're just asking God for stuff. My whole prayer life, 80 or 90% of my prayer life, it's asking God for stuff. Or asking God to bless me. 
or something in my, my life or my family or something. Jabez prays for blessing. And God has promised to bless Israel. Jabez, he, he prays for enlarged borders. God has promised the land to Israel. Jabez prays for God's presence. God has promised to be with Israel. Jabez prays for God, God's protection. God has promised to fight for Israel. He's praying the will of God here. He's praying the will of God. <laughs> this is what we need to find and pray, beloved. The will of God. Say, so well, I don't know what it is. Well, go talk to him and listen. There may be a season you still don't know what it is, but he does. You know what he says he is? He says, I hear and I answer. You know, I talk to some Christians, it's like they don't believe either one. <laughs> they don't believe he hears and they don't believe he answers. But he does, beloved. You know what James chapter 4 says? You do not have because you do not ask you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so to spend it on your own pleasures. <laughs> okay? Listen, man, if you're going to really be, get into prayer, you've got you to get off the reflection in the mirror, right? You've got to get on to God. And you've got to love Him so much, it doesn't, matter if he cures the, it doesn't matter if He cures the cancer. It just doesn't matter. With my last breath, I'll praise my awesome God whether He cures me or not. Whether I'm sawn in two or not. Hebrews chapter 11, right? Whether I perish by the sword or I deliver by the sword. Hebrews chapter 11. That's, the circumstance is ultimately not, is, is not the ultimate criteria. The ultimate criteria is God. And I... I it's my goal to maximize the glory of God in my circumstance. And God teaches us how to do this. It's one of the things He teaches us how to do in prayer. So God has been promising the land to Israel for 600 years. And Jabez is praying. I believe this is, what, this is the heartbeat of Jabez's prayer. And God is answering. God is answering. This is what biblical prayer is about. You guys know the, the New Testament passage that sits on top of all of prayer, right? All that's said in the New Testament about prayer, there's one passage that sits on top of it and governs it. And I'll read it to you. Most of you will know it. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence uh, which we have before Him that if we ask anything according to His what? Will. This is God's Word. He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked Him. The Bible interprets the Bible. Don't take a text and run off with it. Okay? This is what many Christians do and many teachers do. You know, you take that text in the... In the uh, some of the Gospels where Jesus, just, it just sounds like all of this unlimited power is available uh, through prayer. Yes, it is, but in accordance with the will of God, according to 1 John chapter 5. Prayer is always about intimate communion with God. But what I want to say to you, some of you don't know, most of prayer should be listening. And you got, you got your five minutes to pop off your shopping list but you need to take about another hour to be still with God and listen. 
You say, Jim, I don't have an hour to spend with God. Are you kidding me? You don't have an hour to spend with God? Are you, are you serious? <laughs> what? There's something more important you have to do than to, to spend an hour with God? And, and trying to hear Him and, 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 and discover His will for your life and your family? You have something more important to do than that? Beloved, you know better. I think we all know better than that. Again, if you think about it for about 120 seconds, you know what you need and what you want is the perfect will of God. And what is God's will for you? His principal will for you is to, you know, be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. Right? That, that God, that's all God's concerned about. He sits, he's sitting on His throne and all He's really concerned about is your health, wealth, and prosperity. Now, if you listen to much of the modern church, you think that's true. If you listen to the Bible, if you, read, if you, get, your, you, know, if you get your spiritual information from the Bible, <laughs> you realize that God's will is that you be conformed into the image of Christ. Now, guess what? To be conformed into the image of Christ... I guarantee you're going to go through some hard stuff. <laughs> I guarantee it's going to happen. We know that God's will is you know, to, to increase intimacy with Him. I guarantee the hard stuff's coming. And it in, Okay, I'm an old man. I can tell you from experience. When the hard stuff comes, intimacy goes up. <laughs> I'm not so quite full of myself and sure of myself. And intimacy goes up when it gets hard. Sad but true. It happens. God's will for us is His eternal and infinite good. As C.S. Lewis says, not your temporal happiness, your eternal and infinite good. Right? God won't be distracted with your temporal happiness. He has much more important things in mind for you. God's will for us is maximum joy forever at His right hand, which means you don't have any time to waste here. He means for you to be a good steward of the life He's given you. Right? So, these are just a brief, a few brief points about God's will for us. I just want to say this. If you've been raised up and you've been exposed to health, wealth, and prosperity, teaching and praying, I want to say to you... I. I think this is an insult to God. This is not what God means for prayer to be. It's not what He... If you read the Bible, it's not what God intends for prayer to me. So, friend, I, I, I would just say we don't lust for the world and ask God for it. We lust for God and ask God for Himself. This is biblical prayer. You guys know Matthew 6. I referred to it earlier. You can go there if you want. Matthew 6, verses 7-10. through 10. Jesus says, When you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition. I don't want to hear the prayer of Jabez when you come to me. Okay? That's like between the lines right there. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that, He's saying. Don't come to me like that. Don't use meaningless repetitions. 
as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. Don't pray, wrote to me. This is what God is saying. It's clear. He couldn't be more clear. It's what the Lord is saying to us here. And I love what Jesus says. He says, he says why do we not have to pray, give me prayers? It's in verse 8. God knows what you need. Right? God knows what you need. Your Father knows. Why are you going to bore God with what you need? It's almost like you're saying to Him, I really don't think you know what's going on down here. It's like you're saying to him, I really don't think you're competent. He knows what you need. Jesus will say this several times in the Gospels. He knows what you need. Don't waste your time simply talking about what you need. There's more important things to cover in prayer. He knows what you need. I love, I always remember what. Paul writes in Romans 8. You remember what he says? He says, you don't even know how to pray. Praise the Lord, right? We've got the Holy Spirit in us, man. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us. Uh, Jesus Christ is interceding for us. Praise God. That's my joy, my hope, my confidence. I don't even know how to pray. As Paul says. And I, I want to share Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Matthew 6, 7-9. through 9. Let me share it with you real quick. This is not the Word of God. This is a paraphrased version. Listen to what he says, though. He really makes some good points. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. I think that's immensely true. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your Father you are dealing with, and He knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. It's what Jesus teaches us here in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. If you go back to the text, Matthew 6, 9 through 10, Jesus says, Then pray like this Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's, you know, it's just a, it's a cry of worship to the other God, the, the God of complete otherness. He's, there's no one like him. He's God. Nobody else is God. I'm crying out to this God. The Creator God. The Redeemer God. Hallowed be Your name. You are holy. You are utterly separate from all the cosmos. This is what the prayer is. You're awesome. You're an awesome God, right? And then what's the next thing He says? Your kingdom come. You tell me what's next. Your will be done. Jesus is telling us how to pray. Your will be done. Your will be done. <laughs> and again, I'm going to say it again. What Christian doesn't want the will of God? How can you be a thinking person and think you want something other than the will of God? Why is it not perfectly adequate to always simply say, God, I pray your will. Give me your will. Karen has cancer. I'm praying God's will. Yes, I pray that she's healed. And praise God she was healed. But I'm praying God's will. What are you doing, God? I don't understand. But I pray your will here. And God, praise God, it was His blessing to heal her. Praise God. 
But I'm not the kind of man that can demand God heal my wife. I'm simply not that presumptuous. I'm just simply not. Your will be done. Jesus says, hey, pray like this. Your will be done. That's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. Your will be done. If you really want God's purpose and will, here's the thing. You'll never be disappointed. You'll always get it. You'll always get it. So, it's what prayer is about. It's about intimacy. It's about, it's about finding God's will in the cancer, in the financial distress, in the relational problems, in the church, you know, whatever the problems are in the church, the problem you're having with your neighbor, whatever it is, it's finding God's will in it. That's, in my view, what even the prayer of Jabez is all about. And someone might say, aren't we supposed to ask, seek, and knock? Yes! Have you ever studied that text closely? Jesus invites us to ask and seek and knock, right? And all of us do. We ask and we seek and we knock. He invites us to do it and we do it. It's what the Lord has told us to do. Should we persevere in that? Yeah. I'm going to give you the two examples. Jesus prayed three times in the garden. Paul asked, I think it's interesting, Paul asked three times for the thorn in the flesh to be removed. They did ask, they did seek, they did knock. I think uh, these are two huge lessons for us. And Jesus gives us the perfect balance on this. Again, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you guys know the text. Matthew 26, 39, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from Me, yet not as I will, but as You will. Listen, if you want to pray in a mature way, this is how you pray. Okay? This is how a Christian prays like our Lord prays. He, he's asking for a thing, but then He says, not My will, Your, the, your will. And then uh, verse uh, 42 of that chapter, My Father, this cup cannot pass away unless I drink it. Your will be done. Chapter 26, verse 44, and He prayed a third time saying the same thing once more. I don't think this is a coincidence that Jesus asks three times and so will His Apostle. And that these incidences are recorded in Scripture. Jesus asked, He sought, He knocked three times. Each time what? Each time bowing to the ultimate purpose and will of God. And you know the text there, Matthew 7, if you ask, it will be given. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, it shall be opened. What's he talking about? He's talking about the will of God. If you ask, seek, knock, you'll find it. 
If you'll you know, be still enough to listen, you'll find the will of God in your life. You'll find it, you'll pursue it, and He'll fill you with joy, man. He'll fill you with joy. Verse 11 of Matthew 7, it closes out the section. It says, If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give you what is good? What is good? What's the good here? It's God's will. That's the good. You know, until you get past the reflection in the mirror, you can't really pray. You can't pray. As long as it's about you, you can't really you can't really pray in the way that God intends for us to pray. It's intimacy with God, finding His will and doing it with great vigor and joy. This is, in my view, the essence of biblical prayer. You know, you guys know the same thing happened with the Apostle Paul. I've mentioned it several times already. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, there was a thorn in the flesh. He petitioned God three times. Someone tell me what Paul did after petitioning God three times. Tell me what he did. Guess what he did? He listened. It's, it's right there in the text. The text says, and God said, no, I'm not going to remove your thorn. My grace is sufficient for you. And then Paul got a pout on and he wouldn't talk to God for four weeks. Is that what the text says? What did Paul, what did Paul, what does he say there in, in the book? What does he record there? Therefore, I'm well contented in God's will for me. Is that how you pray? <laughs> you know, when you get the no, when you get the no, is it okay with you that God says no to you? Or do you get the pout on? Is it okay if God says no? I hope it's okay with you if God says no, because God will say no. You know why God will say no? Because He loves you. He's going to protect you from the yes. You think you need the yes. He knows, all right, can you admit, He knows more than you. He knows better than you. He can see not only yesterday, but tomorrow. He can see it. He knows what's best for you. Can you accept the no with thanksgiving? I don't need the yes. If the no is right for me, I want the no. This is prayer, beloved. This is mature prayer. This is, I love God so much, I don't care what He does, prayer. Okay? <laughs> I'm an old man. I've tried many things. I've read many books. And this is where I've landed. And I, it was in the Bible the whole time. <laughs> All I had to do was pay a little closer attention to what Jesus was saying and what, the, and what the Apostle Paul was living out for me in The book of Corinthians, Paul says, I am well contented with the no. And so I'm going to challenge you next time you get the no. I mean, I've been around for a while and I've seen people get a pout on with God and it's probably the most unattractive thing that can happen. It's not only foolish and we could say stupid, it's just unattractive to get a pout on with God because He said no to you. So Jabez says, Bless me, Lord. Bless me indeed. Yeah, the true believer is not preoccupied with temporal blessing. We know that this blessing is inconsequential compared to that blessing. 
That blessing we encounter when we step into eternity, right? That's the blessing I'm concerned about. I'm concerned not about the dimensions of, 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 of how large a footprint I have in this life, but the ones I have, you know, the footprint I'm going to have in the next life. You know, in accordance with my stewardship of all the gifts that God has given me. You know, enlarge my border, Jabez says. Yeah, again, <laughs> you know, I, it doesn't matter how big my footprint is here. I'm more interested in that one. You know, we know that God does bless us here, but the lion's share of blessing that the Bible's talking about is there. And it's for a billion eternities, okay? You want, some, you want some junk here that you got to put back in the box you can't take with you that's going to burn up? You, you want some stuff you don't get to keep? Is that what, That's really what you want? You want that more than you want, you know, what's in eternity? You're not thinking properly, beloved. If you think that way, eternity is not real to you. I'm convinced. If you think like that, eternity is not real to you. You have no concept of what God is setting aside for you. In eternity... Jabez prays that God might be with him. And, hey, we know that, right? He's not, we were talking, I was talking to Jason last night about this, right? God is not only with us, He's what? In us. And what's the other thing? He's for us. Okay? I mean, what else do you want? What else do you want? Jabez prays that God might keep him from harm. And we know what Jesus says. In the Gospels, don't fear the man who can take your life. Fear the man that can cast you into hell. Fear the one who can cast you into hell. So we can be fearless because our God will keep us from ultimate harm. Even if we're sawn into, Hebrews chapter 11, even if we're sawn into, we will not perish in an ultimate sense. God is doing something. God is doing a great thing. So it appears in context that Jabez is really praying for God's will in the context of taking the promised land. Above all else, this is what he's praying for. Above all else, this is what Jesus prayed for. Above all else, this is what Paul prayed for. So above all else, what will you pray for? That's the challenge for you and me. What will you pray for? How will you pray? How will you come to God? With your Santa Claus list? Or will you come praising Him and asking Him for... Yeah, it's nothing wrong. Lord, heal my wife. Heal my wife. I pray you heal my wife. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. There's nothing wrong with pleading with God. There's nothing wrong. But at the end of the day, it's not my will. It's your will, Lord. Listen, stop trying to be sovereign. Stop trying this word of faith garbage. Your words are not sovereign. Your words are not sovereign. God is sovereign. God will do His will. Okay? Hey, if word of faith was true, I would imagine the Apostle Paul would have just spoke that thorn in the flesh right out of existence. I guess Paul didn't have enough faith. Right? I hate this stuff. It's, it's, it's stupid. I hate to use that word, but it is. Alright. We can trust our God. He is... He is the great God. He is the sovereign God. He accomplishes all His good pleasure. We come to Him confessing our ignorance and our impotence and we rest in His omniscience and omnipotence. This is what prayer is for us. We don't have to worry. God has chosen gladly to give you every good thing. He knows what you need 
Just come and love Him. Yes, make your petitions and then ask God for His will. This is the prayer that God always hears and answers. 1 John chapter 5. Okay? So it's not give me, give me, give me. It's speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. Show me Your will. I'm going to close with Philippians 4, 6, and 7. This is the true spirit of prayer. Be anxious for nothing. Okay, some of you came in here and you're anxious. And I'm telling you, stop it. I'm an old man. I've been anxious a lot in my 63 years of living. And I think I have finally learned to stop. It'll well up in me sometimes, but I just preach to myself and I give it to God, right? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then I say, leave it! Leave it with God! Just leave it with God! If you love Him and trust Him, you can just leave it with God. You don't have to walk around in anxiety all day long, making yourself and everyone else miserable. Made known to God, and the peace of God, yes, will, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Beloved, I just challenge you. Have a biblical view of prayer. If nothing else, if you don't hear me say anything else, Jesus says pray the will of God. Then Jesus prays the will of God. I don't know if that's enough for you. It's all I need. I don't need anything else. Jesus says pray the will of God and then Jesus prays the will of God. That is enough for me. I don't need any more lessons on prayer. I don't need a PhD in prayer. I don't. I don't need it. I actually taught a seminary class one time on prayer and the guy gave me all of his notes and I was thinking, man, I could do this in five minutes. You know? But I had like, you know, a bunch of hours I had to fill up. Five minutes? I can do it in, I can do it in under 60 seconds. Pray the will of God. Pray for the will of God. And listen. He's a faithful God. He is a faithful God. We're going to celebrate the Lord's table tonight.